Good morning. morning. Nice to see everyone all bright and early. I do not like time changes. Um, You know, I'm a history guy, so I go back to, and all this began in World War I as a way to conserve uh, food and fuel and, you know, try to give farmers a little more time to get some things done and and for whatever reason, we've just hung on to it ever since then. So a hundred years, we're still, you know, jumping ahead and spring forward and falling back, and, and the whole thing. I, I don't know. I think we probably outlived those days. We don't, you know, maybe we can ditch it one of these years. I don't know, but I don't know. They they just they just keep. I don't just something we do now. So, huh? Oh, did they get out of it? Well, there you go. We. Maybe we're, we're kind of behind the times around here in this state sometimes. So, but uh, yeah, uh, well, we're coming up on you know as a Christian, one of our favorite times of the year. Easter season is upon us. And, you know, I think three weeks, three or four weeks will be Easter, and we'll be looking at the the resurrection of Christ. The whole point of being a Christian, you know, what is this thing about? You know, what is a Christian and what really does it mean? And you know, this idea of Jesus going and dying on a cross, what what is all that about? And so we're getting into that that part of the year, which is one of my, you know, as a Christian, and that is our our big time. A lot of times people think, well, Christmas. Christmas is the biggest time of the year for a Christian. Well, not really. Uh, we celebrate the fact that Christ came to the earth, came to this world to to be our Savior. But it really, for Christians, Easter is the that's the that's the holiday. That's the one we want to to really look at. And today we're going to be spending some time in the book of Mark. Uh, so if you have your Bibles, open up to Mark chapter eight. Is where we're going to begin. Now, as you get there, I uh, um, when uh, when I taught eighth grade, the big highlight of the year was. Uh, the D.C. trip, getting ready to go on the D.C. trip. How many of you ever took a trip to a class trip anywhere? It didn't have to be to D.C., but but to anywhere. A lot of you, you know. Uh, the D.C. trip, that was the big thing. We're all going to D.C. And as a teaching staff, we worked hard to prepare those kids for, you know, so that when you got to D.C., you'd have one heck of a trip, and we would see things, and... You know, they would have some meaning for you, and you know we talk about now we're going to go to the Capitol building, and this is what it's been. If we're lucky, we might even go to the White House. That was before 9/11, when you could still go to the White House, and uh, you know, and we stopped at Gettysburg on the way, and we talked about the Gettysburg Address and, and all the different things, and we tried to emphasize that. But of course, the kids, what they were interested in was. Are we going to have time to stop at the mall? Pentagon City's got a big mall. Are we going to get to go there? Yes, we'll stop at the mall. Can we ride that big giant escalator that comes out of the subway? It's like, it's huge. Yes, we're going to ride up and down that. Cool. So we get on the trip and we're going and, you know, we're getting to Gettys, closer to Gettysburg and, you know, I'm a history nerd, so I'm like, yes, you know, here... This is where Lee's headquarters was, and you know they came down out of Chambersburg here, and of course the North 
coming from the south and the south and the north. And the kid's like, that's cool. When, when are we going to get to McDonald's? I'm like, you're, you're totally missing the whole point of going to this. I went on that trip probably three or four times at least. Um, hopefully I'll get to go back on it someday. I'd really like to. We always had this one or two kids, though, that really were into it. I had this one little boy, his name was Michael, and he was just all about, you know, he was fascinated with the uh, the Marine Corps. He's only like 13 years old, but he's going to be a Marine. And he was in uh, junior ROTC or something, or uh, over at the base they had a program. He was involved in that, and And so as we went around to all these memorials and these different things, he had a whole different perspective on that trip. Now, all the kids had benefited greatly from it. They all had a lot of fun, and they learned an awful lot. But when he went, he was prepared in advance for everything. And we got to Gettysburg. Yes, this is Gettysburg. This is where Pickett's Charge was. See that field over there? You see that road? Wow, that's, that's where they were. And he was just all excited about it and... We got to D.C., and we were standing in line to go up in the Washington Monument. The kids were all fired up. You, you always got a few kids that are scared to death. Oh, I don't want to go up there. It might fall down on us. You know, he didn't want to go. Biggest thing for him is as we were standing in line, there was a, a group of Marines off to the side, and he was just fascinated with them. Oh, they were like his heroes, and He's, I went over there and said, you know, this guy, this kid would really love it if you just, you know. So they're over there, and they started giving him the business. You want to be a recruit? Yes, sir. Well, get down there. Give me 20. Count them out. And he's down on the ground. One, two, you know, and he's, he's just pumping them out. He got a big grin on his face, and, and that Marine's like, what are you smiling at, boy? We don't smile. And he's just giving it to him. And he thought that was the best thing. And so, uh, you know, we finally get into the Washington Monument, up the thing. That's all you could talk about was those Marines. They were just, man, those guys were. Well, of course, the highlight is when we get to Arlington. If you've ever been to Arlington, at the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier, they have the uh, changing of the guard. He was just, you know, because they're very precise. Their uniforms are crisp. Very exact in their steps, and they they got the little plates on their heels to make the clickety sound as they they walk. And he was just absolutely blown away by the whole thing. You know, you got all these other kids. They're like, "Yeah, this is really cool." All right, when are we going over to? We're going to Bob Evans. Is that where we're we're going over there next? Yeah. Okay. Well, we had spent a great amount of time preparing these guys to to go on the, the trip, and. Some were prepared, some weren't prepared for what, what was going on. And, and uh, as Jesus went through his ministry, for about three years, he, he traveled around, he did different things, and uh, he had his disciples, and he tried to prepare them for the event. Of course, he you know, knew that eventually, as the Messiah, as the Christ, he would be called upon to give his life as a sacrifice for humanity to, to, so that they could be forgiven of their sins. And so he spent a lot of time trying to prepare his disciples for this big event. Now, guys, 
It's all going to come down to this. We're going to Jerusalem. And there's a lot of things going to happen when we get to Jerusalem. And I want you guys to be ready for this. And so Jesus is trying to prepare them. And uh, what I want to talk about today is his preparation. How he's trying to prepare the disciples for this great event that's about to occur. The whole point of his existence has come down to this week where they would go to Jerusalem and he would fulfill his mission as, as the Messiah, as the Savior of the world. Hopefully you've got your Bibles open to the book of Mark. Uh, if you're a new Christian or you're, you're learning about what Christians are, the book of Mark is, is uh, one of the what we call the Gospels. It was written by one of the people who were with Jesus, you know, uh, a man by the name of, of Mark, or at least somebody who knew of Jesus and had been uh, acquainted with that. And he wrote a very fast-moving, very quickly-paced book or letter that we call Mark, sort of the, the quick version. Usually, I always tell new Christians, you read Mark, read that first. Don't read John first. Don't read, you know, read Mark. It's just a fast adventure story. Gives you a good idea of what's going on. And here in Mark, a whole bunch of the book takes place during that last week. And so if we go to Mark chapter 8, Jesus is going to start to drop some hints to the disciples. I want to let you guys know what's going to happen. You need to be prepared for what you're going to experience now when we go to Jerusalem because I know that you've got some wrong ideas here. Well, here in Mark chapter 8, we'll start at verse 30. They went on from there and passed through Galilee, and he didn't want anyone to know, for he was teaching his disciples, saying to them, the Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men, and they will kill him. And when he is killed, after three days, he will rise. But they didn't understand the saying, talking about the disciples. And they were, uh, they were, they were afraid to ask him. Whoops, I'm in the wrong chapter, aren't I? See, I'm a little out of tune. i gotta, I got to back it up here. So, Sorry about that. Uh, let me start over. Chapter 8, verse 31. Let's do that instead. And he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. And he said this plainly. Now Jesus, so many times when he spoke to his disciples, he used parables. He used uh, stories. Uh, he didn't come right out and say, you know, exactly. You had to kind of figure it out. But here he's telling them plainly. He says, guys, I'm telling you plainly. No fooling around here, guys. No stories. No, you, you can't miss this. We're going to go to Jerusalem. I will suffer many things. I will be rejected by the elders and the chief priests, and the scribes, and frankly, everybody that's been following us around. But after three days, after I've been killed, I will rise again. I'm coming back to life. And the disciples are like, wow, that's interesting. And Peter's like, no, 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 that's not going to happen. 
verse 33, but turning and seeing his disciple, well, Peter, verse 32, he said this plainly, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Jesus, don't say these things. This is what's going to happen. Look, you're the Messiah. We're going to go to Jerusalem. The people are going to be there. They're all going to rise up. You're going to be our king. We're going to take over the Romans. I mean, this is what's going to happen. And Jesus is like, no. But turning and seeing his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan. For you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. I'm trying to tell you what God wants you to know. This is God's purpose. This is his plan. This is what God is going to bring about. I know that you've got other ideas about what this Messiah is supposed to be. But I'm telling you, that's not going to happen. And Peter's like, oh, come on, Jesus. You're going to be there. It's going to be great. It's going to be fine. So the failure on the part of the disciple here, Peter rebukes Jesus. Now, we always you know, come down pretty hard here on Peter. You know, man, to be called out by Jesus in front of all the other disciples, that, that's not to be called Satan. Get behind me, Satan. Now, Peter, I think, blurts out that thing. Look, you know, I'm, Jesus, don't talk about these things. You know, I'm rebuking you. I think that was out of his great love for Jesus. You've had people who you love greatly that have said things, and you're like, oh, now, come on. Well, that's not. I found sometimes people in their, uh, you know, as, as they approach uh, death sometimes, that there are things that they want to talk about, things that they want to say, and sometimes family members will be like, oh, now, we don't, we don't want to talk. You're going to be fine. You know, let's not talk about that. Well, they want to talk about that. That's important that they get the chance to, to talk about those things. So Peter's trying to rebuke Jesus. Jesus isn't having it. Telling him, you've got to get your mind right. We're going to Jerusalem. You need to get your mind right. and Get it focused on the things of God, not on the things of, of man. What you need is more authentic discipleship. You need to prepare to be the Christian that God's prepared you to be, Peter. You've got this other notion, this other wild idea about the... No, get back to what God has called you to be. Verse 34, And calling the crowd to him with his disciples, he said to them, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. But whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. Many of you have heard this many times. Uh, but the cross was a symbol of death. And we wear it today as a you know, like cool little decoration. Well, I'm a Christian, you know. But in those days, it, it represented a very cruel way of dying. Uh, if it was today, we would... If Jesus was alive today and was, was executed, and they, I don't know, would they give him the electric chair or the maybe uh, you know, the intravenous injections, you know, something like that maybe? I, I don't know. Point is, take up your cross 
and follow me. What a word picture that is. And when he said that, they understood, you know, what that meant. We need to get our minds right about what's about to happen. Jesus is taking them to Jerusalem. Things are going to be happening very quickly. I want you to know, Jesus says, you have to be prepared. So that's the first announcement Jesus has told them. Look, we're going to Jerusalem. Things are going to get crazy here. Now, verse 9, chapter 30, which I just read a little bit ago. Uh, They went on from there and passed through Galilee. And he didn't want anyone to know, for he was teaching his disciples, saying to them, the Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men. They will kill him. And when he is killed, after three days, he will rise again. But they did not understand the saying and were afraid to ask him. Jesus is making it clear, I am going to be delivered up. I am going to be killed. On the third day, I will rise from the dead. You need to get it in your head. I'm not going to Jerusalem to be this conquering king that I think you guys think I'm going to be. I'm not going to Jerusalem to take the temple back. I'm not going to Jerusalem to overthrow the Romans. I'm going to fulfill the will of my father, which is that I might give my life and then be raised from the dead. Now, I would be confused as well. The disciples are like, what is he talking about? We went through all this, and he's just going to walk in town and get killed? There's got to be, what's he talking about? What's going on? Why don't you ask him? I'm not going to ask him. (laughs) You see what he did to Peter? He ripped him. I'm not going to ask him. So they're walking around. They don't know what what to do. What do you say? Verse 33, and they came to Capernaum a little bit north of Jerusalem. And and when he was in the house, he asked them, uh, hey, uh, what were you discussing on the way? What were you guys talking about back there? I know you were talking about something. But they kept silent. For on the way, they had argued with one another about who was the greatest. And he sat down and called the twelve. And he said to them, if anyone be first, he must be last of all and a servant of all. You can see Jesus probably being very disappointed, frustrated. I'm taking them to D.C. and they want to go to McDonald's. You know, you know. No, we got some important stuff we're going to do here. And you're worried about this. So once again, Jesus, to help them be prepared for what is going to happen, he turns to discipleship to make them more like what God wants them to be. Jesus teaches that the first must be last. And those who receive, even like children in his name, receive him. He goes on, verse 35, he sat down and he called the twelve. And he said to them, if anyone be first, he must be last of all and a servant of all. And he took a child and put him in the midst of them, and taking him in his arms, he said, whoever receives One such child in my name receives me. And whoever receives me receives not me, but him who sent me. We're going to Jerusalem. 
I'm going to give my life. I'm going to be killed. I'm going to, to die. He's talking to them plainly here. I'm telling you what's going to happen. You guys are all worried about who gets to be first and last and all. No, no, you, you, your minds aren't right. We've got to get our minds right. Get it back onto what God would have you to do. We're worried about all these other things that don't matter. You shouldn't worry about which one of you is going to be the greatest. That's not why we're going to Jerusalem. We're not going to figure out if Peter's the best or John's the best or, or any of this stuff. Now, some of this may have stemmed from an event that had taken place at the beginning of chapter 9. And it's kind of a mysterious event. I'm not going to get into the particulars. But it's an event called the Transfiguration. After Jesus had told them the first time that we're going up to Jerusalem, I'm going to be killed. Something very unique happens you know, just a few days later. And Jesus, or Jesus gets Peter, James, and John. He says, fellas, I need you to come with me. The other guys, you guys stay here, but Peter, James, and John, let's go. And so he takes them up to the top of a mountain. And, and chapter nine, Mark chapter 9, verse 2 and 3 and he was transfigured before them, and his clothes became radiant, intensely white, as no one on earth could bleach them. And there appeared to them Elijah with Moses, and they were talking with Jesus. And you could see him. They're like, wow, this is awesome. And Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good that you are here, that we're all here. Let us make three tents, one for Moses, one for Elijah, one for you. For he didn't know what to say, for they were terrified. Now, I believe that Peter's thinking, this is it. Finally, the time we've been waiting on. Jesus is going to be the king. Uh, God is moving. Look, there's Elijah. There's Moses. This is a miracle. Jesus is glowing for crying out. He's the king. And he's going to take back you know, the whole city and the Jews are going to be free and no more Romans. And he's got it in his head of what's going to happen. Verse 7, and a cloud overshadowed them. Probably the Shekinah or the, the, the cloud that followed them, you know, in the, uh, as uh, the Hebrew people. You know, God had gone with them through the, the wilderness and stuff. Anyways, a cloud overshadowed them, and a voice came out of the cloud, this is my beloved son. Listen to him. And suddenly, looking around, they, were no, they no longer saw anyone with them, but only Jesus. So you've got this thing. Jesus has taken them. They've seen this miracle. They probably came back. You're not going to believe what happened up there. This was amazing. And so they're walking to Jerusalem. The other disciples are like, well, they must be better than we are. I mean, they got to go see this miracle. He told us to stay here. Things are happening fast. The other disciples were probably mad that Peter, James, and John got to go see this great transformation. You know, Peter, James, and John, they've always been a bunch of brown nosers. Anytime something good happens, who's involved? Peter, James, or John. 
Who are we? Chopped liver? I mean, are we we're the supporting cast? You know, we just were there. It's like the school play right now. The kids are all fired up, the musical. But a lot of them are just like background dancers and stuff. And they're like, oh, I can skip practice. I'm just a background dancer. They don't need me. And the, the choir director's like, no, no, you're just as important. We, we need you there. You know, and so come on. Well, this is how the disciples are feeling. Peter, James, and John, they think they're rock stars. And Jesus is telling them, look, we're going to Jerusalem. I'm going to be killed. I'm not going to take over the government. I'm not going to do all these things that you think I'm going to do. You're not listening. You have to get prepared for what's coming. And in order to do that, you've got to quit worrying about who's the best, who's going to be first. You've got to quit worrying about all these mystical things. You've got to be like a little kid. If you do that, you'll get your mind right, and you'll start to see you're going to miss this fantastic event. You're going to totally miss it. Well, Mark chapter 10, verse 33. Actually, we'll start at verse 32. Jesus is going to foretell his death a third time. And they were on the road going up to Jerusalem, and Jesus was walking ahead of them, and they were amazed. And those who followed were afraid, and taking the twelve again, he began to tell them what was to happen to them, saying, see, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man, that's me, Jesus, will be delivered over to the chief priests and the scribes. They will condemn him to death and deliver him to the Gentiles. I'm going to get sold out. They will mock him. They will spit on him and flog him and kill him. And after three days, he will rise. After three days, he will rise. He can't make it any more plain than that. This is what we're going to do. Have you guys figured it out yet? Have you figured out why we're going up to Jerusalem? Well, apparently not. Here we go. Verse 35, and James and John the sons of Zebedee, came up to him and said, uh, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And he said to them, Well, what do you want me to do for you? And they said, Grant us to sit, one at your right hand and one at your left, in your glory. I mean, we're going up to Jerusalem and you're going to take over. <laughs> you're going to be the king, the messiah. I mean, uh, we, we, we saw the, the magic show on the mountain, and we, you know, and we know what's going to happen, and Jesus is like, I just told you what's going to happen. You don't get it. Jesus says, verse 38, you do not know what you're asking. You want to you be with me? You want to go where I'm about to go? You want to uh, achieve glory like I am? Okay, well, let me ask you, are you... Uh, Verse 38 there. You don't know what you're asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I'm about to drink? Are you to be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized? You think you're going to be able to walk up to Jerusalem and give your life to be humiliated, spit upon, flogged, crucified on a cross? You're ready to do that? 
And they said to him, verse 39, we are able. Jesus said, well, the cup that I drink, you'll drink. And with the baptism with which I am baptized, you will be baptized. But to sit at my right hand or on my left, that's not mine to grant. But it is for those for whom it has been prepared. God knows who's going to be there for that role. It may or may not be you guys. You guys say you're ready to go through what I'm about to go through? I don't think you are. But I'm, I'm here to tell you, you will go through it in the course of your life. I did a little research to see all the disciples. All of them ultimately were either put to death, were killed in some way. I mean, I don't mean just killed. I mean tortured, murdered. Simon Peter, of course, would go on, and most people know that he would be crucified by the emperor Nero. He would be crucified upside down. In fact, he even said, you know, I don't want to be crucified like my Lord. Uh, plant me upside down. That, that way, you know, I, I deserve it. Andrew, it's often thought, who was the brother of Peter, um, eventually was uh, tortured and, and executed. He was scourged, which means you know, he was flogged. Then he got tied to the cross, and he probably suffered for days before he, he perished. It's often thought that he preached to the passers-by as he was dying. You know, people come by, and you need to know Jesus. James, the son of Zebedee, he, in Acts chapter 12, it tells us what happened to him. He's killed with a sword. John is the only one to live a, or not die a violent death. He dies, though, in captivity on the island of Patmos, probably around 100 AD. I mean, he's a very old man, probably dies alone there. Philip was flogged, thrown into prison. He would be crucified. Bartholomew would be beaten and then crucified. And uh, in other accounts, uh, he was skinned alive and then beheaded. What a way to go. Thomas would be martyred by, uh, they killed him with a spear. Matthew, it's believed, was stabbed in the back by a swordsman. James the Lesser uh, was beaten and stoned by persecutors. Then they killed him by hitting him in the head with a club. Thaddeus, uh, according to several stories, was crucified at Edessa, which is a place near, near Turkey or Greece. Simon was also crucified. And of course, Judas Iscariot, you know what happens to him. He would hang himself only to, uh, you know, fall and hit the ground and his bowels would gush out. What a horrible thing. So Jesus is asking him, oh, you, you want to be with me in glory? We're going up to Jerusalem here. You guys think you got what it takes? You want to do what, what I'm about to do? You're going to drink the cup that I'm going to drink? They have no idea what they're talking about. If, if Jesus was to say, okay, look, here's what's going to happen. You're going to be crucified. You're going to be crucified. You're going to get your head chopped off. You're going to get this. You're going to get the spear. You're going to get flayed alive. You guys still want to go with me to Jerusalem? They didn't understand what was going on. Jesus still 
at the time as, as he's going up to Jerusalem, has to teach them to continue to offer them discipleship, to make them more like he is. You know, what's our church motto here? Trying to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what Christ did right up until the day he died. He kept working with them and leading them as frustrating as it could be. Jesus is teaching them, verse 38, uh, and, and on through there through 45, you know, if you want to be great, you've got to be a servant. If you want to be first, you've got to be prepared to be the last. You want to sit at my right hand in glory? You've got to be willing to give your life as a sacrifice for the people. I think sometimes Jesus still asks us, are you able to drink the cup that Jesus drank? Are we able to do what he did? Uh, thankfully, I don't think we're required to. <laughs> Jesus died that death for all of us. I think Jesus is still preparing each of us for the future, like, like he did the the disciples going up to Jerusalem, trying to prepare them for what was going to happen, trying to teach them this is what's going, still trying to get it in their thick heads. This is the will of God. This is what I want for you to believe. And it, it might cost you to do the will of God. Are you prepared for that? Are you prepared to drink from that cup, to bear the burden that, that Christ bared? I go back to my little friend on the D.C. trip, Michael, who wanted to be a Marine. He loved the Marine Corps. We got into high school, he got in a lot of trouble, did very bad in school, but still wanted to be a Marine. Well, eventually we got it fixed so that he got in with a recruiter, we got him his credits, he graduated, he went into the Marine Corps. And he absolutely, it was the greatest day of his life. And off he went. He understood from that D.C. trip what it meant to serve. To serve your country. That this is what the, the Arlington's really about. It's not about getting to go, you know, visit a few dead people and then go to run down to the mall and go shopping or go hang out at McDonald's. He got it. He got what that was all about. And so later, as he joins the Marines, he's got a, you know, in his mind, he knows what service is about. But even he wouldn't be prepared for what was expected. Do you think you can drink the cup? Michael went to Afghanistan. He was in a Jeep, which was hit by a rocket. His sergeant was killed. Michael got blown up, hurt really bad, ended up in the hospital, survived the attack, but was just burned. Had to rebuild part of his face. Then he was court-martialed because somebody back at base said it was his fault. He had driven in a wrong spot or something. and So he got blamed for getting his sergeant killed. Continued to fight his court-martial. I think he eventually won, but was uh, 
Um, yeah, you know, when you get, when you leave the military, some of you fellows, discharged, he discharged. So he was out of the Marines. But he understood what it meant to, to serve, to, you know, as they often say, that last full measure of, of devotion. He came back to here. I got to meet with him one time before he was killed by a drunk driver up in Logan County. What a life. I mean, Jesus asks us, are we prepared? Are we able to, to drink from that cup? Unless you've invested a relationship with Christ, there's no way any of us are going to be able to handle some of the things that, that happen. I've spent a lot of time talking about and preaching about how, I'm sorry, life's not fair. Bad things happen to good people. I wish I could stand up here and say, when you're a Christian, it's all roses, man. That's just not the way life is. Even the disciples of Jesus, all of them are going to get massacred. But he spent his life trying to teach them, trying to prepare these people to be about God's business. We have to do what God would have us to do. Don't worry about who's going to be the best. Don't worry about who's this and that. Don't worry about, I mean, just focus on what can I do to deepen my relationship with Jesus so that when the time comes, I can obey. I can do what he would have me to do. Christian life is it's a, it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. It takes a lot of time and a lot of work to, you know, even have any of it make sense. And without God's Holy Spirit, without the direction that comes from Him, it would be impossible for any of us. But as we go into this Easter season, I want you to think about this idea of the cup. You think you can drink the cup? You think you can go through what I'm about to go through? Does anybody know what happened on the night before Jesus was taken when he was in the garden? Even Jesus himself asked the Father, what about this cup? If it's your will, take this cup from me. I don't think I can even go through this. But not my will, but your will be done. So as we go through the next few weeks in the lead up to, to Easter, I want us you know, to think about that a little bit, this idea. Go back and read through Mark a little bit. It's a really quick story. It'll, it'll take you a half hour to read through it. And familiar, familiarize yourself with you know, the final act here of, of Jesus' life. It's a beautiful story. It's a frightening story. But it's a story that's just, it's so essential. That we prepare ourselves as we go into Easter. It's not about Easter bunnies and my beautiful, you know, are you going to wear a bonnet, ladies? Are you going to have the, you know, the whole thing? Those things are all fun. But like these disciples, I hope that as we move into this season, we get our, our minds right, we get our thoughts right, we start to think about what the reason really is for Easter. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for this day, for all these people who could be here. Be with so many of us who can't be here for different things, celebrating with their families, uh, being on vacation, uh, celebrating life with their kids. 
Help all of us as a, as a church body to begin to, to think about as we get closer to Easter. Just what is this meaning? What did Jesus really go to Jerusalem for? What does it mean for him to be the Messiah? What does that got to do with me? Could I drink from the cup that Jesus took on our behalf? Lord, help us to think of these things as we worship you and we love you. And as Christians, we prepare to celebrate the most wonderful time of the year, the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Father, we love you in the name of Jesus. Amen.